Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's Tuesday the 20th of February. I'm Miranda Sawyer and I'm back from a place where the drink is cheap, men in frocks are celebrated and a parade lasts for six hours. Yes, I've been holidaying in the House of Lords again. <laughs> Welcome back to Papercuts, the modern newspaper review, where we flatter the papers until they reveal their most intimate sexual secrets, then take a photo of them in a lovely block colour frock and banner the F out of it across the front page. And regular listeners know that we're on a supporters' drive at the moment. So like our right, Jeremy Hunt, I'm going to tell you exactly what your money can buy. £3.60 a month, that's £3 plus VAT, or just £30 a year, gets you an ad-free version of the show. £6 a month, or £56 a year, gets you no ads, plus a special extra bit at the end of the show and a Paper Cuts mug. And if you double that, you get no ads, the special extra bit, a mug and an extremely comfortable Paper Cuts t-shirt. Really, you'd be mad not to. (laughs) (laughs) So now you know it makes financial sense, sort of. Why not go to the show notes and click on the link that says back.papercutshow.com. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Lord Dave versus the Russians... David Cameron wants banks to hand over Russia's assets for Ukraine. Men think they're hard. Women are the meanest. Boffins prove that women get more from exercise than men do. And Liz Jones wins a Grammy. Not really. (laughs) But the male's most out there columnist thinks she's just like Taylor Swift. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, where we've given you a longer word count with a shorter deadline, just because. I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me today is host of The Bunker and promoter of campy sing-alongs, Jacob Jarvis. Hi, Jarv. I'm not sure what would make me more dizzy doing the time warp or your maths, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) And also with us is comedian and supporter of Jolly Cheese Togethers, it's Marcus Mm. Brigstock. Hi, Marcus. Hello, hi, hi. So what have we got on the front page today? What have you got, Jarv? On the front of the eye, we've got that Labour is set to pledge to triple lock on UK state pensions. So Sir Keir Starmer and Shadow Chancellor Rachel Reeve will commit to continuing existing state pension safeguards in the party's general election manifesto, I understand. So, uh, you know, the eye, obsessed, the eye's always, obsessed. they're <laughs> the always exciting. Yeah, you know, the, the eye, the good old eye. And then on the Telegraph, uh, there is US moves to block Israeli offensive. So Biden is trying to stop the invasion of Rafa as he calls for UN vote on a temporary ceasefire. They've also got at the top the headline, supporting role, how half bras stole the spotlight on the red carpet. So yeah, strange front page there. Bit of a combination. Half bras? Half bras. Is that sort of... Um, an equal half on both sides, or just to support on one <laughs> breast. I, well, we'll 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 explore yeah. more. And then on the on the Guardian, the front page is "Stand with Me." Yulia Navalnaya vows to continue husband's fight. So this is Alexei Navalny's wife. There is speaking around 
the situation there and also that they haven't been given access to his body yet at this point and it could be two weeks until until they do so yeah that story continuing to just be horrific yeah she's arguing that um they're not giving anybody access to the body because then if you give it two weeks then the novichok will have disappeared yeah yeah and then on the Times, got a similar story linked to that. Widow says Putin used Novichok to kill Navalny. And then at the top, they've got sacked post office chairman was investigated for bullying. So the former chairman of the post office was accused of lying and having a cavalier attitude to governance as it emerged that he allegedly faced a bullying investigation before he was said to have been sacked. So, yeah, alleged allegations, allegedly, on the front of the Times. Mm. There, allegedly. <laughs> um, what have you got? Uh, well, I got the Daily Mail and their big, uh, exciting invitation inside. You mentioned earlier, I love Taylor Swift for publicly trashing her exes. I've been doing it for 25 years by Liz Jones. More on that later. But this is this is good news for international travellers here. Front of the mail. Hundreds of high-risk flights land in the UK unchecked. High-risk aircraft are landing in Britain without security checks in a major new immigration scandal the mail can reveal. They don't say which airport, but the point is there is a London airport where I presume you don't have to deal with um, passport queues. So if we can work out which one it is (laughs) and you're travelling, try and book your flights through there because I've found, particularly since Brexit, there are, there are much longer queues. So this is, is good news in the mail. But unfortunately, you need a private jet, Marcus, to do that one. Ah, <laughs> right. OK. But on to uh, more important news. The Mirror. They're in our hearts and minds. Prince and Kate highlight the suffering of all victims in the Middle East conflict. And the star, proud to love animals, Indiana Jones and the indomitable Mrs. Mop. Yes, I said indomitable. Um, <laughs> revealed. This is a fascinating story. Revealed how cleaner thwart MI6 spooks in Hunt for the Holy Grail. Mm. I like the fact that they've also referenced just how old this story is up here in Thought for the Day. (laughs) Thought for the Day. Want news from the 1930s? You've come to the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Now, right at the top of the front page of the eye, above the inevitable headline about pensions, is a story about David Cameron, the banks and Russian state assets. Jav, I've tried to make this story sound a little bit James Bondy, <laughs> but it isn't really, is it? What is it about? Unless David Cameron is going to be the new Bond, he seems to get shoved into jobs that we we hope he he wouldn't. So maybe it could happen. Yeah, he really fancies himself like he that does. as well. Yeah, oh yeah. my god! So so yeah, Lord Cameron. Which every time I read it, I think, who the fuck is Lord Cameron? <laughs> then I remember they put him in the House of Lords to bring him back, and you just think, yeah, no, it is twenty twenty four, and everything's a nightmare at the moment. So basically, <laughs> we seized a load of Russian central bank assets in the West after the invasion of Ukraine. And in December, he actually first mentioned this about saying, rather than just seize the assets, why don't we use the assets, use some of the money to fund the rebuilding of Ukraine? So it's about £250 billion worth of assets seized by Western banks, frozen at the moment, but not being used. He wants that to be able to be used. So there's around £26 billion of that is in the UK. But the twist to this story, though, is that bankers... Mm. Bankers are really annoyed about this. Famously moral bankers, funnily enough, don't like the sound of this in some way. So they are concerned that state seizure could damage trust among some of their clients who may not then want to bank in the UK if their assets are at risk of being taken in the future. Which seems to me, I mean, this is a very unprecedented situation. Look, maybe in some bizarro world you could say this could set a bit of a weird precedent, but it it would only set a weird precedent in the event of 
Russia is invading Ukraine, which is quite a an anomaly in the the history of the world. So they want to push back against it. Banks are poised to demand legislation if Lord Cameron goes ahead with this plan, as they're also worried that, you know, we're a little bit skint at the moment, and this could love this bit of uh, tabloidy language in the eye here, but that the, the assets will be used to top up treasury coffers. So mm. basically used to, to bolster money there. So, yeah, David Cameron, who's on a little bit of a, a comeback arc at the moment, is unfortunately pissing off the bankers, which, if you do in the UK, is not the most politically smart thing to do, I suppose. I mean, it, it would be usual, not that this happens loads, but it would be usual in the case of Russia losing their war with Ukraine for that seized money to be spent in, in reparations, right? That's fairly standard. Yeah. Uh, but... Obviously, the war is ongoing and it seems likely to be for a really long time. So it sort of puts it ethically in an odd place. And it to, is morally and to, weird, I it think. It is morally weird, yeah. So basically, there's two different elements. One is the state assets, so the stuff that's owned by Russia. Yeah. So like we can say like Putin's. Mm. And then there's the stuff that is owned by oligarchs who are people that supported Putin. And there's a, there seems to be basically two different arguments. One is that you can take the, the – it's definitely owned by the state. This money that's owned by Russian state, we could, we could use this. This seems mm. like legit. But the oligarchs maybe just freeze it. That's, yeah. that's where we seem to have got to. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the separate bit of that there is also government working on a plan to – to have sanctioned individuals' money use. So this would be people like Roman Abramovich, for example, and there was the sale of Chelsea. So that's another story mm. of that he was allowed to sell Chelsea despite assets being frozen. But then the 2.5 billion from that has been kind of stuck in a sort of, I don't know where the fuck that sort of money goes, really, in a limbo of just non-existent money mm. world because it, sh- it is being pitched to be used that they had a deal with him to say, okay, well, it'll be used to to support people in this conflict, but there's a bit of a line from him as to being which side that definitively means, if that's everyone in Ukraine or whether that's also people in Russia too, and they haven't actually managed to find a deal with him to to spend that money. So they agreed for it to be sold on the basis of the money being used in the way the government would be happy with, but then that hasn't happened. So yeah, there's a whole sort of grey areas here really, that there's a, a huge chunk of the money is the Russian central bank, then there's oligarch money, both of which David Cameron wants to use, but both of which banks are saying well, you're going to have to legislate for this to, to be able to happen. Yeah. I wonder if uh, greater clarity will be brought to it once the, uh, is it the Senate holding up the, the American funding for Ukraine at the moment? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it's the Senate. Like it's thought that the MAGA ultras who are holding that up will probably be pushed or step aside and that that money will be spent. And whether there's a sort of regrouping around the idea of Ukraine that will make this a bit more palatable. At the moment, it feels like, well, the MAGA lot are holding up that money from the states. If Trump wins, then all bets are off with regard to Ukraine. And this might seem like a much more rogue move Mm. in those circumstances. Basically, there's a whole load of money and Ukraine needs a load of money. Desperately, more now than, than ever. Yeah, and it's just sitting there. Now, on the front of the Times is an interesting angle on sport. The headline is, Discovery of Exercise Gap Could Leave Men in a Huff. Marcus, what are they on about? Uh, well, what this study says, and it's it's pretty fact-heavy, is essentially that exercise is better for women than it is for men. Uh, they say many women will be familiar with going for a gentle run or workout only to be seemingly outdone by an intimidatingly sweaty and panting man. 
that, that'll be me. Uh, but uh, however much harder the man seems to be working, women can take comfort in knowing that they will be reaping greater benefit overall. So can we just say women better? Uh, no, oh. because, well, you can, but we'll have run past you so fast, we won't hear you. Oh, yeah, that's It'll true. just sound like a squeak. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but it's uh, it's an interesting study, basically, that men, because of our physiology, generally have to work harder in the gym to get the same level of benefit as women going yeah. to the gym. So if I just lift a small weight... I'm doing better than you. Yes. I think that's right. (laughs) I think it seems so unfair. (laughs) So basically, it's this study, boffins, right, have have followed 412,000 US adults between the ages of 37 and 61 over two decades. So that is a proper long study. And what they discovered is men need to spend twice as long exercise as women to get the same long-term benefits. So women get more out of each minute of exercise, up to 300 minutes a week, when then it kind of levels off. Mm -hmm. So if you exercise at all... Mm. As a woman, you're going to, it kind of affects the length of your life mm-hmm. more. Um, but this is because men have bigger hearts and lungs and more muscle mass. So the exercise that uses force and power becomes more naturally to them. So women's bodies have to like work harder to get greater benefits. So that's all fairly obvious. And I have to say, when I read it, I thought, are we just making women do men's exercise? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it seems like the standard is do weights like men you know, push things like yeah. men, and then women, you'll be more, you'll get more benefit. You'll be, mm. be more like men. I'm really looking forward to seeing this same story represented in the Express in the next couple of weeks. And it'll be something like, women mostly go to the gym for juice and a chat, say, <laughs> say, say scientists. There's a, I don't know if you've clocked this, with people running, there's always lots in January and February of people running about on, on the mm. street and everything. Uh, I notice them as I step aside. And uh, lots of them have started wearing a sort of weight bra, mm. right? So they wear they wear weights on their front and back in mm. order to run around and uh, presumably get more benefit from uh, from their exercise. And I, I look at it and I think, my goodness, well, well done you. And I've realised, of course, I've been doing the same thing for years by eating much more. <laughs> and so every time I go for a walk or a run, I'm actually also carrying much more weight than they are. I mean, frankly, if they were trying to get about with the amount of weight I'm carrying, they'd tip over. <laughs> Especially the women. <laughs> Now, as you know, we at Papercuts are on the constant search for great headlines because we're pun junkies with a hardcore header habit. Are there any good ones today? Jarv, what have you got? Sorry, I'm reading this one and I'm not going to say it's a good one, to be <laughs> to be blunt with you. So apparently trigger warnings on Shakespeare plays are nonsense, the culture secretary has warned. So classic works of fiction should not be whitewashed for the benefit of snowflake campaigners, Lucy <laughs> Frazier has said. And uh, she told the son, if you go to see Macbeth, you pretty much know before you're going in that it's going to contain <laughs> uncomfortable issues. <laughs> but basically, culture sex slams barred trigger warnings and it's flake spear rap. Flake spear? Flake oh, snowflakes. Snowflakes. That is... It's really, that is a stretch, everything it? about that is working so hard. <laughs> a lot has gone into that. I went to see, story. Uh, just quickly on that, uh, I went to see the most amazing production of Oklahoma, which I'm a big fan of, and I was given a trigger warning when I bought the ticket, and I was like, mm, 
It's Rogers and Hamstein, mate. We're, we're going to be fine. And then I went to see it, and uh, it was one of the darkest and most disturbing, <laughs> genuinely, like when, when Curly uh, convinces his, his pal to take his own life by telling him how much happier everyone would be if he did. You were like, oh, okay, yeah, we've really gone there. This is the darkest yeah. thing ever. And I was really grateful that I'd been given a heads up. <laughs> so... I went to see a play about necrophilia at the weekend and it was actually quite funny. So, yeah. Oh, well, there you go, yeah, yeah. you see. Uh, it swings and roundabouts. Uh, <laughs> Is that what it was called? What an odd choice. <laughs> but the, uh, then in page 11, so actress Sydney Sweeney shows her best side at the People's Choice Awards. So this is a picture of an actress from the side in this red dress and red heel. And the headline is, Beside the Swee Side. It's what? Beside the Swee Side, because she's Sydney Sweeney. The Swee Side? So, like, like Beside the Seaside. Oh! <laughs> but Swee Side. Oh, because she's side on. Oh, my God. Can yeah. I just say how honoured I am time. to be here for the pun that finally broke Miranda? <laughs> yeah, it's really... <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah. It's terrible. And what have you got, Marcus, for the headlines? I've got a lovely, uh, uh, lovely pun headline here in the Daily Star. The headline actually is boring F for RTS, mm. but it reads boring farts Yeah, because the number four looks like the letter A. And the story is DVLA Killjoys have banned a string of 2024 number plates, including F24RTS which sort of looks like the word farts. Yeah. but And I don't know if it's me being dyslexic, but whenever I see a personalised number plate, I have to study them really hard before I can <laughs> before make sense. Of, oh, that's what you'd gone for. You like, must be able to get that one, though. Yeah, there's one W24NKR, which definitely says wanker, but with a, <laughs> but with a rope. With a rogue two in it. Uh, but interestingly, the most expensive registration plate in 2023 was H1NDU, Hindu, yeah, uh, which sold for £112,000. That is a lot. Good Lord. Um, anyway, you can't have a personalised number plate anymore. They've spoiled everything. <laughs> um, uh, now, this story is based in Dorset. Their famous knob-throwing event is set to return after a five-year hiatus because, why? It was too popular. There were too many knobs being flung. It's <laughs> a really strange claim. I mean, there has in that five-year period been this pandemic thing that was knocking around, but it wasn't that. It was that it was too popular. First held in 2008, uh, the bonkers affair was a victim of its own success. Anyway, the head Headline is knobs away. But what is the knob that they're throwing? It's a, <laughs> oh, it's a Dorset knob. It's a uh, it's a type of buscut. Uh, it's, oh, okay. It's, a, it's okay. a Dorset. It's a quite a stiff, quite a stiff biscuit. It's sort of mm. somewhere between a bun and a biscuit. The and Dorset stiff. knob. It's quite stiff. Uh, mm. Anyway, you can fling them and they'll go a hell of a long way. <laughs> but it's good to see events like this happening again. You know, Honiton, right? In in Devon, and I used to live there. Sadly, they don't do this anymore. They used to do a thing called the Hot Pennies Parade, where the young unmarried men <laughs> would run through the centre of the town with their shirts off, and all the people with um, houses who overlooked the high street would bake pennies in the oven until they were scalding hot, and then fling them from upper storey windows, and the men who caught the most pennies would have their choice of the women of the town. Marcus, that is terrible. <laughs> because of the, the because of the burning. Is weird. Stop 
it. This isn't the countryside, <laughs> it's the town of Honiton, I'll have you know. <laughs> That's appalling. Well, they don't do it anymore. Health and safety gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's time to turn to the features section of the papers to tremble at the trends, freak out at the fash and mock, but secretly envy the immensely rich people in those nutso How I Spend It pieces. And on the front page of the Mail, some of us are delighted to see, is the familiar byline of Mail columnist and certified TMIer Liz Jones. Marcus, what is she banging on about today? (laughs) Well, Miranda Jarvis, I've been on a journey. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on a journey with Liz Jones. Now, instinctively, when I saw this, I sort of recoiled because I've read some Liz Jones before and I was like, oh, this is going to be bleak and grim. But it isn't. It's Mm. absolutely fascinating and I'm hooked. I'm not going to say I'm a fan, but I'm hooked. So the big headline is, I admire Taylor Swift for trashing her exes in songs. I've been publicly shaming mine for 25 years and, though they wail, it's what's made me a success. Though they wail. Yeah, yeah. So... She gives some some good, really interesting context here about what Taylor Swift is writing in her latest album and, and most of her work. And a big part of why she's a success is that she has sort of gone there and exposed a lot about her ex-relationships. She says, for example, a friend told the Daily Mail last week um, that her ex, Taylor Swift's ex, has not said one word about the breakup and has removed himself from her narrative and is very glad he did. He's angry she's written a diss album, so blah, blah, blah. Mm. That's all good context. And then she says, I'm here to tell you I know exactly what it's like to be Taylor Swift. <laughs> and, from, and, and from that point on, the uh, the article takes quite the swerve. I love this, James. <laughs> she is amazing. She says, like her, I've always aired my dirty linen in public in my You magazine column, which I've written for almost a quarter of a century. Also like Taylor, I'm often asked why on earth I overexpose so relentlessly. Is it cathartic to belittle and shame uh, to come out as the winner to make money from misery? Uh, But isn't it also isolating, self-destructive, humiliating and hurtful? Wouldn't I, and Taylor too, have much more lovely personal lives if we stopped and witted on about car parks and flowers instead? Mm. This is a—it's—it's a treasure trove. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite interesting because the way she compares herself to Taylor Swift is obviously Mm. she writes about her exes, fine, but also who she is writing for. So what she says all the way through is that, look, I'm not writing for friends. I'm not writing for myself. I'm writing for my female fans. And this is what Taylor Swift does also. Absolutely, yeah. She talks about loyalty. She says they're not with our exes. They're not with our families, not even with ourselves. They are with our female fans who love the vulnerability and are comforted by the fact that if someone like Taylor Swift can't keep a man with her beauty, youth, fame and fortune, then it's no shame on them that they can't either. And Mm. I have to say, I think it's... I think it's remarkably astute. But then there's also this, (laughs) where where she's just, I mean, I suppose she is completely inhabiting the character that is Liz Jones in, in print. She says, people love to go on a biographical treasure hunt and work it all out. Right, and then you're like, "This is her writing." This is her. Well, yeah, people like to read and work out who's being written about. Mm. And immediately after she said that, she says, "If you decide to be a writer and you can't spare the horses, right? Believe me, many columnists take the money without spilling their guts. One failed to mention her husband had left her for another man, and immediately you're going, "All right, Liz Jones." 
you've made this be true. You've made me go, well, I wonder who that is then. <laughs> Another failed to mention the small detail of her husband having a drink problem. Oh, all right, then who's that one? And so it goes on. I mean, it is it's it is genuinely an emotional journey. There's a there's a point later in the article where she talks uh, about a bereavement within her family and how she'd been asked not to write about it. And she just absolutely goes there with that as well. And it's a recent bereavement too. And I, I sort of, having gone, yeah, Liz Jones, it's all a bit of fun. I went, oh no, this is this is a kind of journalism that I, for my tastes, fuck, look, I need a trigger warning is what I need. <laughs> Snow, Snowflake Brigstock, <laughs> aged 50, uh, needs a trigger warning for a Liz Jones thing because in the end it did. It made me feel really sad. Yeah, it, well, Liz, I mean, I think that's part of Liz Jones's appeal, actually, mm. that she makes you feel a bit sad for her because in the end what she does is she kind of blames everybody else so she will absolutely excoriate herself and say look I'm you know I'm I'm, I'm, I'm like this I can be demanding mm. but then all the people that I went out with were terrible and I paid for them all that's mostly her argument yeah there is that there's a sideline in this isn't there in this piece where it's like she she'd written something about an ex and he he called her up and then in brackets it's like call me up to have a go I paid his phone bill, and you just think, fucking hell. Yeah. That's deep-seated kind of resentment towards the fact that you paid for something and still someone had a go at you despite... It's like, you can't use your phone to have a go at me. I pay for that fucking phone. Is It's ugh, quite... A little bit of a shudder. Like it's, yeah, the whole thing is, it is very funny in some ways, but then, yeah, I agree with you on the sadness. And then also, I just don't necessarily always feel that comfortable seeing quite this much into someone's head and being like, Gosh, are you yeah. actually, do you actually just hate people that much that have been in your life? Like, yeah, because the invitation in them? to her to the to her yeah. internal life is like, oh, all right, then this is interesting. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, I can't remember the way out. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> are you meant to read it and think? Are you meant to empathise with it and think about times that you've paid for things for your exes and that yeah. it's not worked out for you? It's sort of this weird bitter empathy you meant to have there too which makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable she's just got madly high standards hasn't she yeah, she, yeah. she needs yeah, to be I've play. said it before but I just think lower your standards and your life is great <laughs> <laughs> I've always said it I do hope your husband's listening <laughs> <laughs> And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to Jarv. Thank you very much, Miranda. And thanks to Marcus. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, of course, thanks to you, lovely listeners, especially our super-duper fine supporters who get a shout-out on the show. Thank you very much. I always thought you were great. Uh, to Rick Miles. Hello, and, to be honest, you've been my favourite for ages, Kay Fountain. Thank you. <laughs> Hi, and I was right. You're the greatest. Ash Francis, thank you to you. I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the mail reveals that boffins have grown the world's first artificial testicles. In a dish, apparently. No reports as to whether they hurt when the boffins flicked them. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with Marcus Brigstock and Jacob Jarvis. The producer was Liam Tate, with music and audio production by me, Simon Williams. The socials are by Jess Harpin and Kieran Leslie. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis. The group editor was Andrew Harrison, and the executive producer was Martin Boitosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. <laughs>